G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of Double Jump Radio, the official podcast of DoubleJump.co. I'm your host, Abia, and I'm joined once again by John. John, how are you today, buddy? Going well. Um, happy to be at another... I need to get better at these intros. I don't have anything like that. Um, yeah, going around. So you made it. That's what counts. <laughs> yep. The audience is here for you, here for me. Let's, let's give them a show. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Well, uh, this week we're going to be uh, talking a fair bit about uh, kind of what's happening in the industry, a lot more numbers this week, and also some, you know, the latest updates from what's happening at Activision Blizzard and Pokemon Go. So stay tuned for that in our new section. But before we get into that, let's just talk a little bit about what we've, what we've been playing this past week. Uh, John, you were telling me before that you played The Ramp. Uh, what do you think about that? Um, yeah, it's it's not bad i think i was expecting a little more from it i think um i'm not sure why i probably shouldn't have coming in with low expectations will probably be a bit um more enjoyable i think but to mm. like kind of summarize what it is it's like a kind of a fixed angle like small skateboarding game <clears throat> yeah it's it to me it, it looks like like uh the gba tony hawk games it's like imagine, yeah you know remember those tiny deck Ska- uh, uh, skate deck whoa, whoa, tech deck sorry <laughs> like the <laughs> little finger skateboards <laughs> yeah. imagine you made something of that scale with like an isometric point of view that's yeah it's like if you made like a little like of. diorama of a skate park and yeah. you're playing that because <laughs> like yeah it's like tech deck's actually not bad because it's like just as like kind of aimless as playing with tech deck <laughs> where it's like <laughs> there's no score there's like not a score attack there's like um there's like 12 achievements like steam achievements mm. you can name for and that's kind of what i was spending my time doing because, like, yeah. there's not a ton to do. There's, like, four, um, what do you call it? Like, there's one that's, like, a giant ramp, and then there's four, like, skate park-style areas. Mm. And With, then, like, um, bowls and pipes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, like, it's nice. I think, I don't know. I was expecting more, but it's also really cheap. It's, like, $6. It's very cheap. Yeah. So, I got my money's worth out of it. Um, I think it's I just, like... Love- I haven't played yeah, a skateboarding sorry. game for a bit, so I think I was yeah. like, because I didn't play the Tony Hawk remasters or anything, and I, like I don't have much nostalgia for it, so I was kind of I was like, oh, mm. this looks cute and neat, and but it's, so it's so if you want more like a Zen style like skating game, it's pretty good for that. Okay, something you can just chill and just just have on, like something you can have, listen to a podcast to or something, maybe. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Yeah, a little bit of a time waster. Mostly. I wonder if it's like a like kind of like a proof of concept for maybe a a more like longer game in the future i i could i could i would love to see a like a skateboarding adventure game or something <laughs> yeah you know, like we, like a like golf cool. story but skateboarding yeah was it desert uh, golf or was it like it was just like continuous levels yeah and that's there's right. just stuff happening so that would be cool imagine that but it's just skateboarding like procedurally generated terrain or something and you just keep skating and you do you go on a quest that, w- that would be cool yeah that'd be super <laughs> neat like it yeah uh for me i've played a little bit of apex legends over the weekend season two uh emergence kicked off last week and i got the chance to play a little bit um i haven't bought the kind of the battle pass or the new hero which a uh, new champion which is Sia, but it was cool seeing uh how he interacts with the other guardians uh basically like 
he's kind of like so the new hero Sia uh, is basically he was he was born during the the a moon getting destroyed he's filled with like the powers of the moth and he's got these drones that kind of come out of this chest cavity that create like an area of effect where he can basically see anyone um even mirage like he can track mirage which is the hero that can create clones of himself to kind of uh you know bamboozle people into not knowing which is the real character but he can kind of counteract that as well so it was interesting kind of seeing that work but it wasn't really a factor in the games. Like, I think people just... Maybe I was just playing with, like... Uh, I had a lobby with, like, a couple of good players, so they just kind of saw through it, uh, so to speak. Um, and it, 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 it was fun, though. Like, there aren't many... Like, I've recently I played Warzone. I played um, Battlegrounds. And then playing this, there's just... It's like, this is just fun. Yes, there are a lot of mechanics to it, but it's nowhere near as overwhelming as like all the menus in COD, or as like kind of obtuse as something like Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. It's quick to get into a game. Uh, the shooting feels great. The sound, uh, the sound model that they use is really good as well. Uh, communication's a big part of it, and it's just easy to kind of get a grasp of what's going on. And I think that's really why I think Apex. Uh, you know, it deserves the the success that it has, and and like now going back and having played some Titanfall two, like I can really see where it came from, and if you if you were a diehard Titanfall fan, like it feels like a slow game, um, which is crazy if you see like how quick Apex can move, but if you're coming from any other shooter, like Apex is such a breath of fresh air. It's the thing about it is that it's because it's free, anyone can just jump in and play, and yes, there are ranked. Uh, ranked leagues and everything so if you don't want to you get into all the sweatiness of the ranked playlist you can just play a normal game and you know just just kind of hang out and have a little bit of fun uh i haven't encountered toxic players that much like and, and it's pretty easy to mute anyone who does end up being a dick but yeah like apex uh really enjoying it so far i have that problem i don't know okay john i'm gonna ask you do you ever have that thing where it's like okay i finally got some free time holy shit what do i play <laughs> like that uh choice paralysis or whatever yeah i get that pretty constantly how do you solve it i uh, i i don't i guess <laughs> i don't know i tend to end up doing like the easiest thing possible which is like lately it's like uh i don't know i'm like stuck on like listening to like comedy podcasts because they kind of you know like cheer me up pretty like very um reliably um so yeah. i'm just use doing I always want a game that I can listen to podcasts with, and I don't really have any go-tos right now. I have. Um, yeah. I recently got like Picross because they released um, the Sega. Oh, yeah. uh, What's it called? The master, the, the collection or something, right? The thirtieth anniversary. Yeah, it's like this. Um, it's like basically a p- normal Picross game, except it's like Sega themed, which is actually I could go into oh. it for a little bit, <laughs> which I might as well yeah, actually. It's like a for people who aren't aware, uh, like Picross, Picross. I don't know which yeah, one I don't it know. is. <laughs> it, I always thought of it as like, it's like three D Minesweeper, but you're uncovering an artwork. Yeah, like when I like, I like only found out about yeah. it like last year, and I got like super into it with like yeah. just one of them. Oh, um, nice. I really, really like Pokerus, but like I kind of, I, I, it's like Sudoku to me, except like kind of, it's more about like binary on-off switches rather than numbers. 
I don't know. There's a better way to explain mm. it. But okay. it kind of it reminds me a lot of Sudoku more than anything else because I never played much Minesweeper. So maybe it really is a lot more like yeah. that. But um, yeah, for me personally, it's just like, yeah, it's it's very unsettling. It's that Zen <laughs> yeah, game. It's, like, it's exactly good for podcasting, podcast stuff because like you don't mm. have to... Because I wanted to write about it, but I can never really find enough of a point to really write something full about it. But like, what I find interesting about podcast games, like trying to find a good one, is that you're trying to figure mm. out, you're trying to find something where you, where it's like sufficiently entertaining without distracting you from the podcast. And like, I have not found many that are actually that good at that. Because like, there's plenty of games you can play, like side by side, but eventually you're like. Mm-hmm. if it's more active like so so far i kind of think i tend to think of stuff that's like kind of more like that isn't like active that doesn't require like a lot of focus yeah at certain moments like so your focus doesn't spike yep. which means that you can like constantly focus on the podcast like so you can constantly listen rather like actively listen yeah without having to like sacrifice the game or anything like that it's it's I don't yeah know. you're right i can go as far, i can ramble on about but <laughs> yeah but it's like I, you know, like I tried like Diablo and stuff. Like I tried like lots of type, you know, kind of like mind numbing games and they're either like, I don't know, they're either end up drawing too much focus away and I end up like, like missing a bunch of the podcast yeah. or they're like completely mind numbing to the point I'd rather just not play it. <laughs> and it's kind of like of this, um, yeah, there's a balance that Pycross hits where I was like, I really enjoy playing Pycross for one, which is helps. Um, but it's, yeah, it, do- it doesn't, completely draw my attention which is what i want oh that's awesome that's awesome well i've got to i've got to look that up and play it maybe i'll link it in the 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 episode description when it goes up live so people at home can can uh get it and play it too <laughs> yeah get, yeah get addicted to pycross with me <laughs> <laughs> i need someone to talk to you about it Alrighty, let's uh, get on to the news for this past week. The The main topics of discussion are the, the kind of milestones that Nintendo and PlayStation announced this past week. So the first piece of news is that Sony is finally selling the PlayStation 5 at a profit. <laughs> it's no longer losing money on the PS5, which is something that usually happens a lot more deeper into the console life cycle. Unless you're Nintendo, Nintendo always <laughs> tends to make a profit on every system. So, in in the most recent quarterly financial report, Sony's chief financial officer Horiki Totoki uh, revealed that the the standard PlayStation Five, so the one with the disc drive, is actually making money for Sony for every unit that it sells. However, the discless digital edition of the ps5 is still losing sony a bit of money but sony plans to uh, make up for this uh loss by selling more games and peripherals which you know i guess makes sense because you can't you know retailers can't discount digital games as readily as you know they can physical products on shelves that they need to clear out so yeah. i'm sure sony can get away with selling games a little bit more expen- expensively um- than Standard. Yeah, through the sales of the PS4 as well, because I I think that it's is like you know pretty reliably making a profit now. Yes. So it kind of like off yeah. helps offset it further. Yeah, especially because uh, you're not seeing as many PS4 discounting 
Like I remember the PS4 Slim, you could get it for like 250 bucks. <laughs> yeah. Like in 2017, 2018, like around Christmas. Uh, I don't think you can get it below that at like 400 at the moment just because there's just no stock. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, I think, it w- yeah, because I remember when I used to work at my old job, which is in, in a, like a retailer, like uh, they just stopped doing um, special, like sales. We even stopped getting stock in. It was so hard to get stock in. And oh. I guess uh, that was like, I guess that was coming into the pandemic, so that kind of made sense. You know, there are only finite amounts of supplies of chips, and uh, you can only make so many systems. And uh, speaking of which, uh, Sony, uh, Sony's CFO, so uh, Mr. Totoki, also uh, announced that the company has secured enough chipsets, so the the uh, processors that power the PS5, enough to make at least 14.8 million more PS5s by the end of this year, uh, end of this financial year, which is March 31st, 2022. So potentially you could be seeing more than double the amount of PS5s that are out there right now by the by April next year. And that'll be crazy. That'll be like, I'm pretty sure that'll still be outpacing the PS4 in terms of sales. And that's despite the ongoing parts shortage. Like, people don't realize how bad this shortage is that's if people are wondering why pc parts are so expensive why graphics cards are like selling for twice three times their asking price it's because with with covid uh yes manufacturing facilities were affected but there was also an increase in demand for electronic devices and you got to think about it everything from your your toaster to your fridge to your your console your pc your car even requires uh microprocessors so microchips to run everything and there's a there's only so much supply of that and the demand is far outstripping uh supply so that's why there's like long months long almost years long wait on new cars as well so yeah i heard that cars were a big part of it like because they like end up stepping up a lot of them like a lot more than anyone expected yeah, they have something to. like that yeah like think of everything that goes in a car and yeah, that's why you know we're we're stuck with. I mean, scalpers aren't making everything easier. So even if you can buy a PS Five, you're probably going to be forced to buy it from a scalper who bought it like two seconds before you because they had like a bot or something. Yeah, and then there's like Teslas that are having like a high end <laughs> graphics card in them now or something. Yeah, like they basically got Nvidia. So basically, a souped up version of what powers a Nintendo Switch is is what's in like Teslas. So that's why Teslas can actually play um, games now, and I think like I think there actually is official licensing yeah, th- for thought, some Mario titles, right? Yeah, because I thought they had like oh I don't know about that oh, oh oh I have a faint memory of that it's, it's been a while yeah because I remember there was like something about how them how it can play Cyberpunk as, or something as well which is yes very, it can play Cyberpunk yeah which is like I mean probably not well but it can play it yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty much oh my god it's like what do you say to the the police officer when you get pulled over? Oh, sorry, officer, I was um, I was uh, in the middle of a cutscene. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was playing this shitty game no one wants. Uh, um, fair enough. Fair enough. Oh God, these patches! I can't I, I can't leave the house because I got to download this patch, <laughs> day one patch for my Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the other uh, piece of uh, sales news was that Nintendo announced that it has now sold more than 89 million 
Nintendo Switches um, worldwide. I believe this is the the family of Switches, so including the the Switch Lite as part of the Switch group. And this is also uh, for this uh, like last quarter, so between April first and June thirtieth. Nintendo sold four point four sorry four point four five million Switches. That's what's brought the total to eighty nine million units lifetime. But despite the Switches um, selling relatively well. If you actually compare it to last year, um, it was actually lower amount of units than what was sold last year. And this actually affected Nintendo's profits. So its revenue, so the the money it made from total sales was 9.9% lower than last year. And its profit was 17.3% lower. So clearly the the rising costs of manufacturing are probably hurting Nintendo at this stage um, caused by all the, the, the shortages of parts everywhere and it's it's we there was a, a huge spike in gaming last year especially around nintendo like we've got to remember like animal crossing basically started with the pandemic like it kind of yeah. launched alongside it uh, and it was like a huge hit even across kind of the mainstream media that you wouldn't really see and it, it makes sense like you know such a big explosion so many people stuck at home playstations xboxes switches flying off shelves because you had a whole bunch of parents stuck with kids who were bored at home yeah you know like it's it makes sense yeah it's like it's like animal crossing Mm. was like an outside simulator yeah (laughs) but i i I honestly slight tangent here i don't understand why people like animal crossing why would you want to play a game that has a lot of like stupid like design decisions about how like blunt it like how how many steps it takes to do things and, and stuff like that and literally the whole point of the game is to do chores and work a job so you can make your house look prettier that's what you do in real life i don't get it like if they said you can have children and and have a uh and have student loans then it'll be like complete life simulator at this stage no but it's like a version of life without all that <laughs> it's like it's chill and it's cute it's like it's better know, than man. my life i, I got to get those bells yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta pay, I gotta pay back. <laughs> Tom Nook's gonna break my legs if I don't give him, up, give him his bells. Yeah, but he won't. That's the difference. <laughs> but you know, not in no. real life. That's the thing. Not in real life, but in in the virtual world, <laughs> he's just waiting. Yeah. He's just waiting to to foreclose on you. <laughs> <laughs> but John, uh, you've got a bit of uh, more positive news in the world of gaming this time. Switching over to PC and Steam. What happened uh, with uh, Valve? Yeah, um, speaking of lots of percentages, um, the Steam Next Fest demos from last year. Yeah, okay, let's take a second. Yeah, so the Steam Next Fest was known as the Steam Gaming Festival last year. Um, so the first, the one in um, June 2020 June. to replace E3 mm-hmm. and all the online, uh, to replace all the in-person gaming events that were cancelled around the same time because of the pandemic. Anyway, the first one in 2020 that was based around or structured around demos had a uptick of 292% of wishlist to sales conversions. It's crazy. Alongside that, that there was like a number of other boosts, like a minor boost of the same wishlist to sales in of 15% in the um, in three weeks afterwards, as well as a four times boost in daily wishlist editions during the event, which ran for about a week. Crazy. And lastly, there weren't too many details in this. It's a pretty short bit. But lastly, interest in the Steam Next Fest has remained steady and rising since the event of um, 
since last year. So with the the light, latest one was also held in June of this year and has been mm. seen a high number of wishlist additions than last time. But there's no, I guess we'll see the details of that last next year, the exact details. But yeah, yeah. there's one coming up in October as well. Another yeah, they're like kind a of festival. Yeah, they've got um, registrations ongoing for developers right now. Um, That's so, awesome. Yeah, so yeah. it's um it's kind of nice to see a very like developer centric sort of event mm. work because I feel like I don't know maybe it's just cause I'm not part of the sphere anymore, but I kind of get the sense that Steam's like giant sales have sort of like lost interest over the years because people have kind of bought up a lot of the ones they wanted in the first place. Yeah. So it's kind of like it's kind of nice. It's it's clever that they've been able to pivot towards something that's kind of you know elevates everyone in a smart way. Yeah, like the great thing about like imagine being an in- indie dev, not having you know much budget for marketing or for promotion, and then putting your registering for the event. Like number one, there were your there was a four times boost in people adding games to wish lists because they saw the demos or tried the demos, and then there was almost a four times likelihood of you getting a sale from that wish list ad. You know, and even even if they didn't do it during the event, even in the weeks afterwards, you've still got a fifteen percent higher chance of getting a conversion from someone adding it to their wish list to buying. Like that's huge if you if you think about it. Like two hundred ninety two percent increase. That's like you. That's like an increase of you're adding to three times. So that's like four times of what you were if if there was no Steam next days or games games festival like event that's so cool yeah like because i ended up playing like a ton of them during this year's e3 like i, I don't think i paid attention mm. to it last time or knew it was happening i don't know maybe i did my point is that i ended up playing like at least 10 and like because but like my point was that like i was going i was looking through like this giant list of demos for like i don't mm. know like 20 minutes like just like searching the stuff that one my laptop could even play but two there was just like so many like so much variety yeah. and opportunities to like yeah. just test out all these little games that I've either either didn't know about or did know about and just were interested in. Mm. Yeah, so it's a cool event that I'm glad is working out. Especially given that, like I'm sure Valve would have loved it because it still kept 30% from all those sales. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah, that's kind of like, an, like, I know we're not really talking about it, but it's like it's actually... It's like a clever way of showing that, of kind of justifying their cut in a way by yeah, showing like, this. Look what like, we've done. This like genuinely <laughs> like effective sales and events that does more than the competition. So mm. yeah, worked out mm. altogether. <laughs> nah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, we've uh, talked about some of these these the numbers. Let's talk about a little bit of the drama that's been ongoing in the industry. First off, it's uh, more news from Activision Blizzard. So the main news uh, that came last week in the wake of kind of the the walkouts and everything the week before and kind of three weeks since, two to three weeks since the original California like department of, I think it was, it was like fair work and housing, basically employment and fair Fair Work and Housing basically suing Activision Blizzard for its quote-unquote toxic kind of workplace culture. And uh, the the latest development is that uh, Blizzard President J. Allen Brack, who uh, I believe took over from Mike Morhaime a couple of years ago. Okay. Um, I only remember him from making uh, that um, that speech about like 
the China <laughs> incident. From, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, God. <laughs> but yeah, um, J. Allen Brack, uh, probably people might know him as kind of like the, the guy with the slicked back grey ponytail who was on the BlizzCon stage kind of defending Blizzard's uh, kind of stance of... I think it was basically banning... I think they basically kicked out a contestant from one of the Overwatch games because he... It was a Hearthstone. I'm just trying to remember. I, like, I, it, I think it was... Basically a pro, oh. pro Hong Kong kind of message, Yeah, it was right? like... It was a... Actually, I think it was Overwatch. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. A um, mm. player called Blitzchung, I think his name was. Yeah, Blitzchung, um, yeah. And yeah, for making yeah, a so, pro Hong Kong statement. Yeah. Yeah, so um, he's actually... So J. Allen Brack has stepped down. Um, <laughs> and I love the... Uh, this is what I've put down as my like way I've described it is that he's he's gone aside he's making way for a more capable leadership team because all this bullshit that's been happening with all this toxic world uh, work culture has happened under his watch and uh, Mike Morham's watch so uh, I'm glad that this guy's out fuck you get the fuck out of there I'm, yeah. I'm waiting for um, Bobby Kotick to piss off as well because I'm sorry but these are all under your watch you know, you're 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 leading these companies. The, the culture of a company starts from the top. Yeah. So y- y- your leader is a reflection of your company. So I'm sorry, if if the company has a toxic workplace culture, it means that it's been allowed to happen because probably the people leading it at the top have that have a similar mindset to the perpetrators. And um, if people want to know who's actually taking over, and so um. One person is Mike Ibarra, uh, who was uh, formerly of uh, Microsoft. So he was a pretty big player in the Xbox space. He was Microsoft's uh, vice president of gaming. Uh, he moved into an executive position at Blizzard last year, I believe it was. And now he's co-leading Blizzard alongside Jen O'Neill, who was uh, the v- executive VP of development, um, who was formerly the head of Vicarious Visions. So Vicarious Visions... Fantastic studio that's been kind of uh, like part of the Activision stable for a long time. Uh, we talked about those <clears throat> 2D Tony Hawk's games from back in the early 2000s on the GBA. I believe Vicarious Visions d- did those ports. Uh, Vicarious Visions also did excellent work on the Crash uh, Bandicoot uh, remaster trilogy from a couple of years ago. I think the Insane Trilogy. Mm. And I think it also did... Um, like also did some work on Destiny 2 Forsaken and, and a few other games like Vicarious Visions knows how to deliver really great work and I think also um, the Tony Hawk kind of re-releases the remasters that happened last year so Vicarious Visions like Jen O'Neill has been running a pretty tight ship for a while and it's great to see that Mike and Jen work together on leading um, Blizzard it's great that there is a woman at the top you know so to speak because you hope that that'll provide like a a different perspective in terms of culture and informing decisions yeah but you don't know because women can be just as bad to other women as men are yeah sometimes worse because they can enable yeah can i I really hope that this is like a sign of something good to come like even just having like two people at the top sounds like a Good yeah, change, you know. A good change. Yeah. And the the other <clears throat> the other main fallout that's happened from all this drama at Activision Blizzard is that 
a number of sponsors have actually dropped their support for both the Overwatch League and the Call of Duty League. So Kellogg's announced that it was uh, pulling support for Overwatch League. Uh, State Farm, which is an insurance company in the US, is also pulling support. T-Mobile is basically pulled all of its advertising and its name from the website. It hasn't officially confirmed it yet, but as Charlie Intel reported, like it's basically gone. Like even promo mugs and t-shirts doesn't have the T-Mobile uh, logo anymore. And Coca-Cola is kind of reconsidering its partnership and is kind of monitoring the situation as it goes. Like good on these companies for putting their money where their mouth is. I mean, I guess you could be cynical and saying, oh, it's all about the dollar signs and you know, you don't want to be associated with a bad thing. But there are plenty of times when things proceed even when the right thing to do is is going to be expensive. And here they've they have given up some profits there, so which which is good. Like you, you still have a lot of sporting events going to countries where you know women's rights or LGBTIQ rights and stuff are still very um, you know behind the times in terms of the way we consider it in modern society. So it's great to see that these companies are actually doing something you know speaking with their wallets so to speak like yeah what do you think what do you think john um yeah it's good to see just for the sake of like promoting change or or promoting sounds Mm. like forcing change to a degree (laughs) because i don't think they can really help but change and um in reaction to it so um yeah it's no there's money behind it yeah yeah, I, I I don't know. I'm, I'm like I'm not super familiar with the Overwatch League or the Call of Duty League, so I've got, I'm kind of curious to see if this makes some. I don't know. I'd like to see What's some it? like change out of it. I don't know what quite like other than the um, company itself, but yeah, yeah, it is. I am happy to see it. Basically, yeah. I mean, they. I mean, the Overwatch League and stuff was a bigger deal a couple of years ago. Before I think Overwatch itself kind of fell away. Like I think Overwatch is like five years old now. So. Yeah, because there was like news. Two, yeah. There was news today that Overwatch Two like is like not. Oh, I think it's like internally understood to be delayed till next year. It's just kind of like another nail in its coffin a little bit. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But it's just like you know, just like basically like kind of mild mm. confirmation, I suppose, of it that you know it's not coming this year, and it's like, it kind of reminded me. I was like, oh yeah. So like they're <laughs> kind of doing this like you know, it's such a mild sequel that is. <sighs> it's, it's kind of hard to imagine getting it's a lot like, of traction in the first place well that's the and thing like overwatch 2 is like oh we've slightly updated the engine we've slightly redesigned the competitors and we're going to put in a player versus like environment mode so that you've got something to play when you don't want to be competitive you can play with a couple of mates and do some co-op activities and then like blizzard also said oh but we're going to add a lot of the new balance changes and modes and stuff back to overwatch one so it's like so what are you actually doing are you does it really need to be a numbered sequel then? But yeah, because yeah, like, we'll, they're we'll trying to out. like, yeah, I guess it's just, it's unrelated. Uh, I guess it's more about like how, you know, it's not a good sign for Overwatch when you've kind of got two bits of bad news in a day. <laughs> yeah, it, don't worry. I'm sure uh, the next news will be that Overwatch is going free to play and then everyone's going to forget all about this. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, um, yeah, that's uh, what's been happening in the the world of Activision Blizzard. Um, what's been happening in the indie world specifically? <sighs> Fulbright has yeah. Steam Gainer um, gone home? Yeah, in similar news, um, the creative lead um, of the developer Fulbright 
a developer of um, Gone Home, Tacoma, and the upcoming Open Roads. He has stepped down from his yeah, creative lead position to writer in response to a Polygon's report of toxic workplace, a, a toxic workplace environment yeah. for the company. Um, yeah, so he's changed to a writer and he's, quote, handing off day-to-day responsibilities to the team. Though this company statement was tweeted out just before Polygon's report, this shift actually happened back in March. So this has kind of been an on. I mean, it's been a thing for years, but it's kind of this particular event is a little out of date. In um, you know, even mm. though we're just hearing about it recently, yeah. So just uh, a few quotes. It's... Yeah, it's not. Yeah. Just a few quotes, choice quotes from the Polygon article. Quote, former employees said they felt stifled by Gaynor's controlling and demeaning presence. Someone who allegedly saw Open Roads not as a team's game, but as his game. That Gaynor wow. himself was Fulbright. Um, and another one, a letter to Annapurna, their current... Um, Annapurna Interactive, as we spoke about last week. The, they're the, um, publisher kind of like the of, publisher. Yeah, they're the publisher yeah. of Open Road. Um, they didn't publish their previous games, but they are publishing this one. Um, described it as the worst professional experience she's had in games. Yeah, wow. yeah. One other one, just to wrap it up, this is going to sound like a joke. A uh, quote: "This is just going to sound like a joke, but I'm completely serious." Working for him often felt like working for a high school mean girl. What? His go-to wow. weapon was to laugh at people's opinions and embarrass them in front of other people. Um, so this is like a really small team as well. So I think it like capped mm. out like it not recently. Like they've lost a lot of people in the last year, um, but they capped out at like 20 people during development over yeah. roads so it's like and they've had like crazy turnover for a tiny company it says something yeah it says that a lot. says something yeah it's like i think that um in the report it mentions that they were losing usually a woman every month or so like they yeah just a lot of people just going in and out it's it's like it's like being on a boat it keeps filling up with water but instead of finding out where the leak's coming from and try to plug the hole, you just like, oh, it's a little wet. Let's just uh, get a bucket and just keep throwing water overboard. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, there's like, it's, there's a lot of that in the report uh, as well. Like, you know, people at the company yeah. who like worked under Gaynor say, you know, trying to bring up these issues to Gaynor like very sincerely. Though, I mean, like everyone is kind of scared yeah. from, from, the, from the sounds of it. <laughs> but, um, you know, trying to bring up like this is you know, like... Uh, there was some mention of a, um, what was it, uh, someone reading a report of another company with similar issues, which could be a number of them, really. Um, mm. But I think it was mentioned in the report, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah, bringing up one of these reports and saying to Gaynor, it's like, this could happen to us if we don't make take action to change this. Like, we can have an, an expose of our own. And they were like afraid of the game being cancelled because of that kind of hang over their heads and stuff. Like it's yeah. it's not quite as heinous a story as the Blizzard stuff, but it's still very um, a bit demoralizing to hear of this kind of indie yeah. darling. And and that's the thing. That's like Steve Gaynor kind of had that auteur like label attached to him. Like I'm gonna be honest. Like whenever Gone Home or Tacoma was talked about, it was very much talked about as, oh, you know, this is a Steve Gaynor game. These are right. Steve Gaynor games. Of, oh, you know, Fulbright, the guy, you know, Steve Gaynor's place. And it's like, I'm sure w- when someone's referred to as an auteur, like, I'm always interested, like, how, how common is it to, to like, 
have egos like this, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, is Kojima like this? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I largely don't trust Ortiz when it comes to games. Yeah. Like, they're just kind of, I don't know. Oh, no, no. Yeah, basically, I don't know. If you're in, like, a really small team and it makes sense yeah. that you'd be recognized as such. Yeah, like, what was Ken Levine like? Or, like, Cliff Blazinski when we think about people like that? Yeah. I'm always fascinated. I don't, like, I mean, yeah. saying don't trust is probably a stronger word than I meant. Not a stronger phrase than I meant. But, like, I meant it more as in, I don't know, it feels very, it feels innately inaccurate to what they actually are, even if they represent a huge core part of the game, you know? Yeah, and I always, like, don't, and the tricky part is, like, as a player, you're like, what can I do? I would say don't boycott. Say, I'm not going to buy this game. I'm not going to play this game. Because there are, like, the people, like, somehow, like, a lot of the leadership and stuff, they still get their bonuses and things like that. They're not going to... Whenever... If a game doesn't sell, they're just going to blame it on the publicity. Uh, you know what I mean? So, like, people still rely on... But, like, people in the lower end of the development teams, like, they still get bonuses. They can still get you know, certain targets they need to meet to get paid. So I think boycotting isn't the right answer. I think it's more so maybe voicing your opinions, writing to the companies respectfully and saying, listen, I really think, I really like your games and I want your team to be happy, you know, take action, you know. Yeah. That's, that's, I think it's it's tricky. I, yeah, I, I it's, can understand. It's definitely one, because like I personally have like, boycotted like it's more apathetic because they're games i typically don't i'm not necessarily drawn to anywhere but it has it has yeah. affected a few games i wanted to buy yeah yeah so it's affected a That's few companies at this point but it's like it's yeah it's not it's not like you're right it's not the most effective way but it's also like one of the only real active ways we can try and like institute yeah. any sort of change or like you know it, like, that's the thing yeah uh, i know that um like i did that with I'm trying to think of the name, but, you know, the developers of Hotline Miami 2, I was just like, like, there was a whole scene about, oh, the game got refused classification in Australia because of this scene that depicts, that depicts violence or sexual violence or something. And the creators like, oh, we really think that it was vital to the game. So we, you know, it's part of the story and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, okay, cool. I, I get that. But then later on, it was like, oh, it's an optional thing. Uh, you don't really have to play through it. It's just something that we put in there. Then I was like, "Oh fuck that!" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that. That just did. And then I, I had a, I like had a Kickstarter for like a figurine from the first game and stuff. And I was like, "You know what? Cancel. Give me my money back. I don't want it." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess like I'm a bit of a hypocrite there, but I, I guess you're right. It's one of the few things we can do. So yeah. I, I know it's a tough situation to be in as a consumer. Yeah. Like it really just depends on you know the person wanting to. Like, they're, mm. they're consuming themselves, like the individual. Like, it depends on what you yeah. you feel comfortable doing and what makes the most sense to you. So, it's like, I personally yeah. am okay with boycotting just because this... I think it makes it, like... I think it's something a lot... Like, a lot of people who play games are, like, oddly... I find their hesitance towards it really excessive. Like, because there's so, 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 so many games. Like, more than ever. And it's just like, I'll just play something mm. else. Like, it's it has... It's like, because the only game so far that's affected me personally is, like the scott pilgrim remaster i wanted that a lot um but it's kind of um like ubisoft's news about ubisoft's kind of like turned me against them in a big way so i didn't buy it and yeah. like same with um thq because the 8chan fiasco from a little while ago like that um that spongebob game that came out remember that remaster mm. 
That was like that's like a big yeah. nostalgia hit for me that game, and I didn't get that one either. And because and I have other games to play, it's not a huge deal. And ultimately, it's like yeah, a lot of these gap companies true. may not be like. Uh, part of the argument may be that like a lot of these companies are probably or are as bad as each other in some ways, but ultimately yeah. it's just down to like what you can kind of what you can stomach personally. I think. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so I don't know. That's it's true. up to the person really. But like the way I see it is. Like right now, it's all allegations and everything. But if someone has actually been proven to be a bully or a shit person, go ahead, call them whatever you want. <laughs> I don't care because I hate fuck bullies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, let's let's move on to something else. Um, John, do you want to tell us about what's been happening in the world of Pokemon Go? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Okay. Yes. Tell me. Tell me. I have no idea what's going on. I know people. It's on fire. Everything's on fire. Oh, I see. Yeah, you saw all my writing, and then <laughs> then what? Factor. Then you. Yeah, you're scared. Um, I have. Okay. So this will take a little second to run down. During Pokemon Go, like since the pandemic hit, Niantic, the developer, um, they've been they've instituted a number of changes. Um, that have been active since the pandemic started, or more or less. I'm not quite exactly sure when it started, but basically since the start of 2020. And basically what it meant is that you could do all the things in Pokemon Go a little easier without leaving your house or while doing less of it, basically. So like, so incenses, incenses are things that let you, that, yes, okay. So the way it works in Pokemon Go is that when you're walking, Pokemon spawn the more active you are and that's how you catch them so incense is they kind of trigger that spawn rate around you without having to move and that's kind of so they made them cheaper and easier to get in general so that was one of the changes um, they made um, poker stops and gyms easier to access from a distance so they changed it and those are things that let you like restock on daily missions and pokeballs and just other resources that you'd use daily yeah, so those have been active for a while, um, pretty much around the world. But at the start of this month, these changes were rolled back for New Zealand and the USA at the start of August. Um, sort of aimed at, and by rolling it back, they've kind of aimed at refocusing Pokemon Go back on walking and exploration as opposed to just kind of like, I don't know, treating it like a grindy video game, which is kind of how I've mm. been spending my time with it, I think. Because I've been playing it for like... I don't know. I want to say it's like six months, maybe like since the start of this mm. year, basically yep. like not too long, like maybe in March, I think, I think I started playing and, you know, so I'm kind of used to these changes and they haven't hit Australia yet, but they're, we're set to get these rollbacks um, next month. So in response to, okay. So these rollbacks included less daily gifts from your buddy Pokemon. So buddy Pokemon mm-hmm. are ones you like attached, like, you know, you choose your buddy and then they, if, as long as they're like walking with you, you can get like extra stuff just from them. It's like pick a, like, like what happens in all the Pokemon anime. Everyone's got like a Pokemon that's always by them. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Cause you can mm. pet them and stuff. <laughs> it's pretty cute. Yeah. Yeah. So incenses aren't as effective anymore. And the biggest one, which will lead me to the next part is that the distance you can interact with Pokestops and gyms, like the stuff you spin, is changed from 80 meters back to 40 meters, which is what it was originally. So in response mm-hmm. to particularly this last point, um, there's been an open letter from the Silk Road subreddit, um, which is kind of more the hardcore subreddit for Pokemon Go. <laughs> there's more casual one, just like in general. 
and as well as like a number of like um pokemon go like what do you call it community leaders i suppose you know like figures mm. yeah that lists the positive impact these covid related changes have made on the game across like safety and accessibility and just like even just respect so um just to highlight a few of them the biggest one that at least that stood out most to me was that these changes allowed a lot like disabled people to get like to actually access and play the game more comfortably let them access locations they wouldn't have otherwise been able to Mm. and there's a mention of trainers with autism and sensory conditions that they could engage with the community from a more accommodating distance rather than having to get like all up close like the game kind of encourages you to otherwise that's that 80 meters 80 meters to 40 meters that's a pretty big difference yeah and part of the reason it's a difference because like the gps is kind of tricky (laughs) yeah with the 80 meters it's kind of I haven't. I don't think I've noticed it. I think I I I, have, I can't fully understand what they're talking about exactly, but I get a sense of it, which is that like because it's forty meters, the GPS can kind of like trip up and like not fully recognize that you're within the the distance mm. you are. So you need to kind of yeah. like you know less margin to, of error. Yeah, exactly. So like the eighty meters thing gotcha. kind of fixed this like quality of life issue. Yeah. And now they're kind of rolling it back to make it even you know more uncomfortable yeah 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 and there's like a comment as well on the on the community post on the like of the shared letter open letter is um quote we are outside and exploring we just want to enjoy the safety benefits provided over the last year and a half like it's like it's Mm. very i don't know anyway in response the arctic it's a good summary it's a good summary of um like how these changes have actually improved the quality of life you know yeah quality of life in and outside the game for the players yeah it's like it's a very um it's a very basic kind of upgrade to what they wanted and now we're used to it and like really rolling it back is like it's only going to reject people like Like, and the thing is we're still in a pandemic so social distancing and and limits on how many people can capacity limits and stuff like they're still in place so i think it's a bit premature to even change the stuff anyway yeah it's not even mentioning that part it's like even if they're like you know it's like something that would come up even if the pandemic was like super over (laughs) you know it's like uh, but it's like this pandemic's like worth definitely worth mentioning like that's obviously very important as well it's just that it relates Mm. to all these other like smaller things that are like I don't know. It's just no one wants it, you know, wants the changes back because we're like the changes that were made were so helpful, like genuinely helpful. Anyway, in response, Niantic (laughs) stated the following, quote, we have heard your input loud and clear. And so to address the concerns you have raised, we are taking the following actions. We're assembling an internal cross-functional team to develop proposals designed to preserve our mission of inspiring people to explore the world together while also addressing specific concerns that have been raised regarding interaction distance, end quote. Hmm. Uh, which isn't really much of a response, really. <laughs> it's very much dancing around. <laughs> dancing around it. <laughs> but it, it's saying that, listen, we under- we hear you and we've set up a committee. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it's just not like... It's like... It's like, uh, I mean, like, I don't keep up closely. Like, this is something I've been playing for a little while. Like, I play it, like, yeah. pretty much every day, but not, like, a ton. The reason this yeah. is, like, these changes are frustrating is that, like, Pokemon Go, at least in my experience, is really good as, like, a very casual game. 
and the more like work like troll work you add to it like the more like frust like even really minor frustration as in i'll have to go like i won't be able to like I have to change my routine a little bit so I can get closer to this thing to yeah. do the thing I've And not been everyone doing. can do that. Yeah, like there's like I mentioned like there was one example of like having to like cross the like crossing a busy road to get to something that, you know, cuz like I don't know. It's it's such a casual light kind of experience that's more about like just being able to play Pokemon very casually every day with a big focus on like pet stuff and like, you know, I like yeah. more on the Less on the battling, that's part of it. You know, just on the collecting poker. It's like a it's like a games a service version of a Pokedex. Like that's basically what it is. And that's like that's fun to yeah. me. And yeah. making it kind of more frustrating and hard, even in like minor ways that aren't necessary. Like it's just I don't know. It's it's frustrating. Like I'll probably stop playing it yeah. if it becomes even slightly harder because it's just not worth it. It's not worth it. Yeah. It's just unnecessary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But um like mm. Yeah, so that's kind uh. of put the community in a on? bit of a tizzy lately because you know a, a genuine one <laughs> like this is like something that shouldn't be happening and the Niatic are just kind of have been ignoring discussion of it in the build-up to it because they announced these rollbacks a little while ago and now that's happened yeah. they've kind of got some real backlash from the people who yeah, play it you don't know until it happens like how things will change you know what i mean like People didn't have any other way of doing things, so they didn't know that there was a better way. Now that they've seen the better way and it's going back, they're like, hang on a second, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, I think people like... It's just human nature. Because, like, I, like, part of the reason I play it is because I live right next to a Pokestop. Like, I have access to it. Like, it, if I didn't have that, I probably wouldn't play it. Um, but, it, like, if I didn't have easy access to that stop, like, I'd have to go outside and get to it, I'd probably just stop playing because it's not... Like, it started becoming not work to it. me. Like, I don't want to, like... <laughs> Yeah, try to plan my day around playing this game <laughs> that's trying to get money out of yeah. me sort of I don't know uh, fair enough fair enough well we've got this uh, one last story uh, one that's also been kind of building up over time and that's the Embracer Group the kind of once unknown uh, like media conglomerate has swallowed up uh, companies like Coke Media which owns Deep Silver or is it the other way around? One of those. I Basically, think the same thing now. Actually, yeah, sure. like, like if if you remember THQ Nordic, which bought up the old THQ properties, basically now owns uh, a lot of major studios from that time. Embracer Group is now the parent company of, I guess, Gearbox Studios and Aspire Media, where uh, this like uh, this past February, kind of the the big um. The big announcement, so Gearbox, as we all know, uh, the publishers of, developers and publishers of the Borderlands games and the Homeworld games, uh, Aspire Media, which is predominantly known for doing Mac ports of major games, uh, and um, also with this, uh, basically, Embracer Group has embraced a number of teams, so these include 3D Realms, uh, who people might remember as being the publisher of the Duke Nukem series, uh, Slipgate Ironworks who've made Graven they are now part of Saber Interactive which has worked on some of the Halo games and a lot of multiplayer shooters I think no, I'm thinking of Raven, that's an Activision one but yeah, Saber's like another one of those like kind of long time shooter houses that's just been in there in the background yeah, I think they worked on the I think they worked on the Halo remasters, stuff like that yeah, Halo remasters, yeah. probably what most people would know them for, DG 
Digizart or DigiX Art. It's an independent studio that's going to become part of Coke Media. Force Field basically uh, develops uh, a lot of virtual reality games. That's going to Coke Media's VR kind of arm. Easy Trigger, known for Hunt Down, and that's going to become part of Coffee Stain. Uh, Ghost Ship Games, um, which people might know uh, as the developer of Deep Rock Galactic, that kind of surprise multiplayer hit for over the past year. That's also going to Coffee Stain. Uh, Crazy Labs, which is a casual uh, mobile game studio from Israel. Uh, that's also been acquired. Uh, Grimfrost, uh, which is kind of like an e-commerce and Viking merchandise <laughs> seller. Yeah, if you look up their website, it's just a bunch of Viking gear. <laughs> yeah, which uh, makes sense. I mean, if you're, if you're part of a Nordic group of companies, it, it kind of makes sense that you'd sell Viking-related merchandise. Yeah, I'm guessing it's like a merchandising arm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, and and the thing is, um, it it's people may not know about Embracer Group or heard about it, but it is one of the biggest names in gaming now. Like you know how THQ Nordic was secret was starting to buy up old THQ properties, then renamed itself THQ, and then uh, was taken up by Embracer Group. Like this is kind of th- this is. It's one of those companies like Tencent or like EA and Ubisoft that just owns most of the industry. It's like one of those handful of companies. So like there's more than 7,000 people who work within the Embracer group. They're spread across 40 different countries. They own more than 240 different game franchises. It's it's crazy that this this company that seemingly came out of nowhere is now um, like owning so many different games. So... And I loved, I loved the idea that, like, embrace, like something that's so like, meant to be really positive and and like intimate, is now like a a metaphor for getting acquired. <laughs> yeah, they couldn't have a more appropriate it's name. Appropriate. Yeah. 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 So this news follows <laughs> on the heels of um, them em- ac- acquiring Gearbox and Aspia Media. Oh, did you mention that actually? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to mention as well <laughs> that they made um, Prime Matter as well. Um, which I'm actually yeah. kind of interested in because <laughs> it's like it's like an indie publishing label that was announced this past. Yeah, I don't think there's any E3? information E3, on it. E3, right? Yeah, it was at E3. Yeah, yeah. but it's like, um, yeah, it only ju- it just reminded me of um, was it like Final Boss or something, something like that, like the next team by Ruiner Devs, which I'm actually really mm. excited about. Um, but anyway, yeah, so they've been kind of like been very active even just this year. This is just like another like big one where it's like. I don't know. It's hard not to like really dwell on how where this ends exactly. Like, what's the goal with this you yeah. know, giant acquisition spree? Yeah, and it makes sense because games are getting so expensive to make and maintain that I think the only people who can realistically hold on to larger titles are going to be massive conglomerates like this. And like because they're so diversified, they 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 kind of they won't fail unless like almost everything in their studio portfolio fails. It's pretty hard, like, yeah. to, to really bring down companies of this size. Like, even ZeniMax is kind of like that, you know, bringing Bethesda and id Software within the same arms. Like, that's pretty crazy. Like, think about all the studios that Xbox owns now. We used to just have to worry about, oh, okay, well, you know, um, well, Turn 10 does Forza. Playground Games does like Forza Horizon. Yeah, like Lion, was it Lionhead, which did like Fable and stuff. And now you've got stuff like 
um, you know, all of Bethesda machine games, Arcane is part of it. Like it's crazy. Yeah, that's part of Xbox. It's so like it's everything's it's the, it's the being it's all portioned off into tribes, and it's just yeah. not even Ninja Theory is part of it. Yeah, yeah, but, um, yeah. But it'll be interesting to see what other studios and publishers get embraced <laughs> uh, later this year. I guess we'll find out. Yeah. So like, <laughs> so like, uh, I think with this, like, I have like three. I think there's like three, like either kind of theories or like presumptions mm. towards this. It's like, like one, like I see it a lot. I don't think it will be happening, but like, I, um, but it's like one you mentioned is like them kind of gearing up for their own subscription service in the future at some point, mm. just because they have so many. I'm not really sure that I, I wouldn't think so because of the second option, which I, I kind of would think makes more sense is that they're kind of building like sort of a factory for them to provide steady content for other services. So kind of, you know, mm. the idea is like to farm out their stuff for all sorts of things. So they can kind of get like regular paydays from all these like from Microsoft and Sony and or, and Netflix, I guess, eventually, maybe. But the yeah. third one is that they're kind of like, they're buying up all these like smaller studios with either mild hits or, because I think they own the company that made Vanheim or is that what their game's called? Like that like game that sold really- Valheim. Valheim, that's right. I think they own them. Anyway, my point is like um, they're kind of like sort of panhandling, like they're like setting down nets for like a mega hit eventually by setting out as many as possible with all these like kind of smaller, like um, smaller devs that could like mm-hmm. you know be make something interesting currently. But the idea is that long term they'll eventually make something like huge. And they're kind of like yeah. waiting for that time. Yeah. So like, yeah, you're right. Valheim was published by Coffee Stain. Oh right. Yeah. yeah. That's what I Which comes that's, from. that's why um Embracer Group has uh like so many studios on like it's because uh, if I look back into it, it was THQ it was Nordic games became THQ Nordic, bought up a lot of the old THQ IP became Embracer Group and like bought like Coke Media which owned Deep Silver, which had its own suite of X THQ games like Cyber Interactive owns also um, what was it uh, 4A Games which makes the Metro games you think about um, people who are owned by people who are owned by other people like <laughs> yeah uh, the, it's crazy. the family just, tree kind of extends it. pretty far much. down so it's like it goes from like 100% what's the company Embracer yeah it goes over Embracer and then mm. it kind of goes down eight ways to Coffee, coffee stain, and um, Kosh, and I think Gearbox is one of them now. Like, there's like that's like yeah. that tier. Then they kind of extend yeah. downwards into all these other little tiers, and a lot of them interact. Like all the those like first eight operate somewhat independently. Um, so it's mm-hmm. like I don't know. It's just, but it's like it's interesting to see how it's gonna work out because I feel like it. You know, <laughs> we just haven't seen anything oh. yet. It's just like it's like Microsoft, except yeah. at least we know a lot of the content of Microsoft. Like we do this company yeah. too, but this feels like they're very yeah. much like developing like a incubator almost of yeah. all these like talent. I'm sure very talented people, but like largely unproven to or not, maybe not unproven, but you know, they're not like yeah, they're they're smaller and they would have been nevertheless cheaper to buy up a lot of these because mm. I think they bought. I'm not yeah. sure if they bought Valheim like Coffee Steam before Valheim hit or not. That got way more successful. I think I think, I think they owned, I think they bought Coffee Stain like in 2019 or something, and then became, and then like 
coffee stain published Valheim and it became like a surprise hit. Yeah. And made Embracer a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, like I think that's like the goal is for them to like yeah. nurture these smaller studios into buying stuff that like, you know, suddenly takes off. And that could be like, you yeah. know, and then once the console versions of Valheim hit, they'll be making money off like Game Pass yeah. and just money in general. It's Exactly. Yeah. Like you don't need, when you have this many studios, you don't need every studio to produce like a massive hit. Like um, even if they're moderate successes, like a hit here and there can really carry and help out so that that's hey you know what good on them they got the money if they if they're putting money into projects that may otherwise not be getting funding or may otherwise be have their creative visions compromised or something then i'm all for it i just lament the loss of kind of independence yeah maybe when everything becomes homogenized maybe ideas start to become similar as well but you know what We'll find out over the coming uh, like summer games festivals and E3s and uh, you know what is it uh, TGSs and whatever the hell happens in Europe. I'm forgetting now. <laughs> oh, Gamescom! <laughs> Gamescom, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. So we'll find out. We'll find out soon. John, it's been an awesome episode. Everyone at home, if you've got some questions for us or if you've got some thoughts about the topics we've discussed this week, please do write in at podcast at doublejump.co. We'd love to hear from you all. Please do share our podcasts, our articles, wherever you can. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn even if you want. <laughs> and yeah, like if, if you love what you hear, if you love what you're reading, if you love what you're watching on Twitch, do consider joining our Patreon and supporting us that way as well. And if you can't throw a few dollars our way, please do share us with your friends. We'd love to build our community. The more the merrier. We always appreciate it when you guys share our stuff and like our stuff as well. So yeah, John, thank you so much for joining me again. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy, happy to talk and ramble a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, until next time, everyone. Look out for one another. See ya. Bye, folks.